Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy delivers a message of hope. When you step into the tomorrow, it's a God-prepared tomorrow. Every step you take in life, listen to this, it's beautiful. Every step you take in life, you are walking in His footprints. He's ahead of you. We have a go-ahead. God, you've nothing to fear about the future. He's already there. These verses are very familiar to many of us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. But do we really stand on these truths in our daily lives? Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy is deepening our understanding of the Good Shepherd's care and protection for those who follow him. We're learning to renew our hope with a message titled More Than Adequate. If you missed the first few segments, replay them at ktt.org. Now here's Philip continuing our study of Psalm 23. So let's come and pick up where we left off. We covered two thoughts. The shepherd stills the sheep and the shepherd saves the sheep. Here's the third thought. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. The shepherd steers the sheep. The shepherd guides and leads the sheep. This is verse 3. He restores my soul. He brings me back. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. As David glanced over his shoulder... He looked back on the years in which he guided and guarded his father's sheep along the hills of Judea. And as he thought about that, his heart skipped a beat in excitement at the thought that that's what God has been to him. What's the right decision? What's the right course of action? And here we're being promised that our shepherd, like a good shepherd, will lead his people along the right paths. What are the means to that? We know that conscience is a means of guidance, right? God has given us a conscience where we can tell right from wrong. And unless we have seared that conscience or deliberately turned its volume down or off, that helps us. It's that old statement, when in doubt, don't. There's the advice of friends and family. But the one that is the most important, the one that is truly sufficient and clearer than any other, is the Word of God itself. God's Word is a lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet. It equips us unto every good work, doesn't it? I mean, we have the inspired Word of God in 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. And the Bible is profitable for what? It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That's what the Word of God is. It's a sufficient rule for faith and practice. It's the final authority on life. Okay, let's move on. Now we see that the shepherd safeguards the sheep. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is beautiful. The shepherd protects the sheep in perilously threatening environments. That environment is described as a deep, dark, threatening valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I want you to notice something, for you are with me. 
You are with me. He senses the shepherd's nearness. I love that. Here in a moment of greatest danger, the shepherd is nearest. By the way, can I give you a little statement? I forget who I stole this from, but I'll admit I'm a thief in regards to this. The sheep are safer in the valley with the shepherd than on the mountain without him. Just write that down and meditate on that. Even though you want to get out of the darkness and you want the battle to end, but wouldn't you rather be in the valley with the shepherd than on the mountain without him? Wouldn't you rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked? So precious is the shepherd. So glorious is the Savior. By the way, it's through the valley, right? We've got to circle that. I love that. You know what? He leads us into the valley. Remember, he brings us back and leads us forward, and sometimes he leads us into the valley. He doesn't push us in there and leave us alone. He leads us and stays with us and goes to war for us. But always remember, he's bringing us from one green pasture to another green pasture. There's just a bit of a corridor in between that's not that enjoyable. It's through. God doesn't promise us a problem-free, pain-free life. Don't go looking for it. It will be one of your greatest frustrations in life. Jacob walked with a limp. Life will have its challenges. We will have our fair share of fears and tears. There's no promise to take us around the valley, but there is the promised presence to take us through the valley. Think about this, verse 3. And then verse 4, watch the movement. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness or the right paths for his name's sake, and I walk through the valley. Sometimes the right path in life will take you through the valley. The valley is the right path. It humbles us. It leaves us tattered of our own resources and tired and throws us upon the grace of God. The experience isn't good, but the outcome's good. I like what Max Licato writes in his book on Joseph. Out of the lion's den for Daniel, the prison for Peter, the wheel's belly for Jonah, Goliath's shadow for David, the storms for the disciples, disease for the lepers, doubt for Thomas, the grave for Lazarus, and the shackles for Paul. God gets us through stuff through the Red Sea, under the dry ground, through the wilderness, through the valley of the shadow of death, and through the deep sea. Through is a favorite word of God. And then he quotes Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Through is one of God's favorite words and he specializes in getting us through. I think you know my love for old Vance Havner, an old country evangelist, revivalist among the Southern Baptist churches. Now he's with the Lord, taught almost annually at the Moody Pastors Conference and Founders Week. He lost his wife late in life, 36 years of marriage. It bothered him. He didn't know how he could live without her. I think he wrote about it in a book called In the Valley. And there's this quote that is attached to that time in his life. He says this, I'm still in the valley, speaking about the fact that she has died. He's now alone. He's adjusting to that which he doesn't want to adjust to. And he says this, 
I'm still in the valley, but thank God I'm walking through it, not wallowing in it. Love that. You need to write that down. I'm still in the valley, but thank God I'm walking through it, not wallowing in it. Let's move on quickly. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This is beautiful. The shepherd serves the sheep. The shepherd serves the sheep. And I want you to notice he ministers to them in the presence of their enemies. He guides them through the valley. I like what Derek Kidner says about this psalm. Depth and strength underlie the simplicity of this psalm. Its peace is not escape. Its contentment is not complacency. There is readiness to face deep darkness and imminent attack. This isn't escapism. This is real. This isn't the reflections of someone naive and young. This is the reflections of a man old enough to know that God is enough. He has fought his enemies, and he has walked deep, dark valleys. But God has served him. Let me get into the image here and and move on. In, In terms of this idea here, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that. The picture here is of the tireless, good, and caring shepherd who enters a field, or we might call it table land, and prepares it for the sheep, and then prepares them for it. He goes into the field, and he, with his staff, he digs up any poisonous plants, and he puts them on stone to wither, or he burns them. He then finds out where there might be some little viper nest or the little snakes, the adders that are in a, in a hole, and he pours oil around the hole from what we can tell so that they don't come out. They don't like that because, you know, if a sheep went over to that hole and kind of peered down it, the adder would jump up and nip it on the nose and poison it. And then as the sheep gets prepared to come into the field, he anoints their head with oil. He takes that oil and he rubs it on their nose and their face to be a repellent against bugs and parasites and insects. By the way, did you notice he says he anoints my head with oil? This is singular. It's an individual. The shepherd knows his sheep by name. He deals with us lovingly and individually. But here's the point. The sheep go into a place that's prepared for them. And you know, God not only leads us, he prepares the path and the destination that he's leading us to. We have a go-ahead God. When you step into tomorrow, it's a God-prepared tomorrow. Every step you take in life, listen to this, it's beautiful. Every step you take in life, you are walking in His footprints. He's ahead of you. You read about that in John 10, verse 3. The shepherd goes ahead of the sheep. We have a go-ahead. God, you have nothing to fear about the future. He's already there. It's already prepared. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. It's a wonderful thing. Listen to what Joseph said, remember? Maybe the best example of this in just in terms of real life. Remember how his brother sold him into slavery? He's imprisoned. Then through a set of circumstances, he, he rises to power in Egypt. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. He has the keys to the granary and the storehouses. Eventually, his brothers come down because where they live, there's famine. And they soon discover to their horror that Joseph is in charge of it all. And they go, well, that's it for us. We're toast. This guy's going to wreak revenge. But notice what Joseph says in Genesis 45, verse 5. But do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Amazing. 
because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. Amazing. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He goes before us, prepares the way. That's a wonderful thing. Some years ago, I preached for the Evangelical Baptist Missions in Europe at their retreat in Walgreen, Austria, just a beautiful part of the world. The thing I remember most was a talk given by Paul Jackson, who was the the head of Evangelical Baptist Missions. And in his talk that night, he said this, that a missionary said to him, Paul, I want to tell you that I've never deplaned or stepped on the foreign soil, but I have found that God got there first. I went back to my room and wrote that down. Paul, I want to tell you that I've never deplaned or stepped on the foreign soil, but I find that God got there first. Have you not found that? The clouds you so much dread are loaded with blessing that will fall on your head. When you get to where you're going and when you get to where you do want to go, you don't find that God's there first. And not only does he prepare the field and prepare the sheep for the field, their cup runs over. This is another element of the shepherd serving the sheep. We don't have time to develop this, but the image is probably of a well. If they can't find running water, they'll, if they can find a well, they'll go there. These wells could be 100 feet deep, and the shepherd has to draw the water up with a rope and a leather bucket that can hold about three quarts. If he's got 50 sheep in the searing sun, it could take him maybe two or more hours to satisfy the sheep. And the idea of the cups is around some of these wells, there were large stones hollowed out that became like stone cups, and the shepherd would take the water and put them in to the cup, so to speak. Now, the good shepherd would cause that cup to overflow, the harling well, he's not going to tire himself out taking care of the sheep. Just give them enough. But the good shepherd gives more than enough. The cup overflows. My friend, the Christian life is a life of abundance. I am come that you might have a life and that more abundantly. John 10, 10. Ephesians 3, verse 20. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, God will make all grace abound to us in all things with all sufficiency so that there may be an abundance of good works. I mean, God wants to serve you to a point where you're brimming with blessing. I'm not talking about dollars, cars, houses, clothes. He might throw that in because he can be that good. I'm just talking about all that we have in Jesus Christ forgiveness, comfort, security, a book that's alive for life. God wants that for us. He he wants us to enjoy an abundance. I like the words of Raymond Brown speaking about that scene in John 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with just some loaves and some fish from a little boy's lunch pail. And it says that there were 12 baskets of fragments left over. It said that the people had as much as they wanted Here's what he says about that scene. He always gives more than we need. What he offers is not simple life, but abundant life to the full, John 10.10. He promises not peace, but peace which transcends all understanding, Philippians 4.7. His love defies adequate definition. It surpasses knowledge, Ephesians 3.19. 
His riches are glorious riches, Ephesians 3.16. His power is all surpassing power, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. And His grace is sufficient, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. This is the gospel of lavish abundance. My friend, when you're in His care and under His leadership, there's an abundance. God's sufficiency and eternality and perfection is just an open faucet for His people. Okay, for the last few minutes, what about the shepherd seeks the sheep? This is wonderful. He seeks the sheep. He constantly pursues the flock in life and in death, bringing us safely to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd seeks the sheep, constantly pursues the flock, corralling them, chasing them, coaching them. Sometimes he has to pursue the lost sheep, as we noted in the first study, but most often he's simply pursuing the greater welfare of the sheep, leading them to great pastures, causing them to lie down beside still waters, leading them along the right paths, taking them through the dark valley and protecting them through that experience, preparing fields for them, causing their cup to overflow. By the way, the English translation here, at least in my Bible, the New King James, shall follow me, is far, far too weak. It actually should be translated pursues. Same word used for Pharaoh pursuing Israel in Exodus 14, verses 8 to 9. Used for Israel pursuing the Midianites in Judges 7, 23 to 25. Now, as we wrap up here pretty soon, this man is not without his enemies. David had his enemies. Saul pursued him. His own son, Absalom, chased him. And then he had foreign threats. This man was not without his enemies. But here's the point, and it's beautiful. But God's goodness and mercy pursued him with greater tenacity to enhance his life than his enemies did seeking to destroy him. It's wonderful. Goodness and mercy. Goodness for our steps, mercy for our sins. Goodness to provide, mercy to pardon. In the one God gives what we don't deserve, and the other God withholds what we do deserve. Not mercy alone, for our needs are more than just to have our sins forgiven. Pursued. Maybe because he's from Northern Ireland, but I've always been partial to Liam Neeson movies. He's from Ballymena, Northern Ireland. If you watch the movie Taken, you know that he was a kind of former special serviceman out of the military, got a certain gifts, and in the movie Taken, his daughter is kidnapped in France. And eventually he gets a phone call from those who have kidnapped her. They're going to ransom her. And if you remember that scene, we all remember it. He's on the phone. He says this to the kidnappers who are about to speak and having just shortly spoken. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills I have acquired over a very long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, and then remember these words, I will look for you. 
and I will find you, and I will kill you. As we close, I'm going to reverse that. And I want to think about God and the pursuit of His goodness and mercy in your life and mine. God has a certain set of attributes and abilities. God has a panoply of glorious and abundant gifts and abilities that He has possessed forever, which are a blessing to people like you and me, His people. And wherever we are, and whatever we're facing, He will look for us, He will find us, and He will bless us. Father, we thank You for this richest of passages. We can identify with it. Its images, its pictures, its metaphors are, are so potent. We're definitely like sheep, defenseless, a danger to ourselves, unwise, disobedient, in need of a shepherd. Lord, we thank you. You're definitely like a shepherd. You love and care for your flock. You've purchased them at great price. You go to war for them and fight their enemies and guard them and guide them even unto death. Lord, your generosity of grace is astounding. Our cup overflows. You delivered up your own Son, and with Him you've given us all things to enjoy. And Lord, as we close today, we marvel that you will seek us, and you will find us, and you will bless us and enhance our life through your Son, Jesus Christ. For those who are sheep without a shepherd today, may they find Christ as he seeks them. And may they come to know him whom to know is life eternal. For we pray and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, amen. What a comfort to know that the Good Shepherd is out ahead of us, preparing the way for each of his sheep. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. We're continuing a series called Psalms of Trust, Statements of Faith, and today's message is unpacking the powerful promises of Psalm 23. You can listen to the complete two-part study at ktt.org or by downloading the KTT app or podcast. Today's message in Psalm 23 reminds us that nothing can separate us from God's love and protection. And in our world today, people are hungrier than ever to hear about the hope found in Christ. You can share that hope with your friends and neighbors as you financially partner with Know the Truth. Plus, when you give a gift of $40 or more, you can request the Psalms of Trust personal devotional booklet, along with direct online access to the entire Psalms of Trust Statements of Faith series. Filled with sermon notes and study guides for each sermon this month, this devotional booklet will act as a personal guide as you delve into this encouraging series. And when you give a gift of any amount, you'll also receive a timely new book by Tim Challies titled Seasons of Sorrow. Combining personal narrative, sound theology, and beautiful writing, this book shows readers how God is sovereign and good in loss and how you can pass through times of grief while keeping your faith and how biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. You won't want to miss getting your copy of Seasons of Sorrow for yourself or for a friend in need. Call in your gift to 888-644-8811. 
or give online at ktt.org. You can also send a check to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And thank you. We're so grateful for your support that makes it possible for listeners across the globe to hear the gospel. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow to learn more about God's promise of protection. Be listening Tuesday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free.